Welcome, Bird Gang. Well, if you've listened to us long enough, you know our affinity for Vance Joseph. He gets it. He makes football simple to understand, and the game is anything but simple. Coach Joseph is a big part of today's show as he addressed the media earlier. Our first chance to hear from the Cardinals defensive coordinator this offseason, at least in a press conference setting. So there's a lot to cover. J.J. Watt, Zayvon Collins, year two for Isaiah Simmons, and just how comfortable is Coach Joseph with the depth at cornerback? It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 430, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealu and Mike Jarecki. So, MJ, knowing we were going to hear from Vance Joseph, I paid a bit more attention to the defense on day two of minicamp, specifically defensive line drills at practice. And one, this is the one drill based off of where they allow the media to stand and watch that we perhaps maybe get the closest to any of these drills, any of these players. So one, just the size of a J.J. Watt or a Jordan Phillips or a Lecky Fotu. And then the constant back and forth and the coaching from Brenton Buckner. But it was interesting because these guys, again, it's not a long time. It's maybe an hour, hour and 15 on the field. But they have as much fun as possible in those 60 to 75 minutes. And during this drill, they're hitting the sled and one of the paddings broke off. So you heard... Too strong. We're just too strong for this drill. We're just too strong. And then there was a lot of back and forth and John and a lot of fun stuff. And I know you were uh, out there, too, and tweeted on social media some of the uh, video. But uh, I I really like this defensive line group and like the fact that they all seem to get along because that's half the battle out there. And you look at it, who's starting every drill when it comes to the defensive line? J.J. Watt. That's just what he commands. I mean, he commands the huddle. He commands respect. Um, he does it the right way. He's just an ultimate pro. I mean, I, everything you hear is what he did in Houston is exactly what we're seeing here, probably even more because I think he's you know hit the reset button on his career. But, you know, it's nice to be out there and you could just see, and it's early, they're not wearing pads, but there's a lot of chemistry and a lot of tempo and a lot of energy. And that's something you really like to see when, you know, guys are running around and, you know, some of these guys are trying to figure out what they're supposed to do. So I've been encouraged the last couple of days. And just the sound of when these players hit this sled and try to get that bell, if you will, to ring. And by the bell, I mean when that pad goes all the way to the back. And here you just hear just a little bit of a ping. There you go. That Just a little bit of a pop. And that signals that you've done the drill correctly, meaning you're pushing all the way through in a horizontal motion as opposed to trying to uplift the sled because they want you to go through the guy in front of you, in this case offensive lineman, and not try to lift them off their feet, but just push them back. And the power, and specifically your guy, I'm going to call him your guy now, Dave Perry, who is a bowling ball out there. And then Lecky <laughs> Fotu has got perfect form, and Zach Allen. I think hit every bell across the line and that was something that uh, I think it was uh, Jordan Phillips made a comment like uh, yeah make sure everyone knows that you're the real 99 out there Zach Allen which brings us to Vance Joseph because it was interesting to him him talk about the defensive line quote that's where it starts in his words and very complimentary of Zach Allen because in coach Joseph's mind he sees a lot of J.J. Watt at that age, at a Zach Allen age, as he sees right now from Allen on the field. Now, that's lofty praise, but you have to start somewhere, and Zach Allen right now is starting and has a very good teacher in J.J. Watt in that position room. He made a lot of progress last year, and you, you think he missed X amount of games. He played 14 games. There were times that he went out, went in the locker room, came back out, and you could just see they, just like a couple other guys, they wanted him to get stronger in the offseason, and he continues to do that. When you see him and J.J. Watt next to each other, he's a little bit smaller, but you could see he's going to fill out. And you couldn't learn from a better guy. And, you know, it seems like J.J. Watt's the ultimate teammate, especially a guy's in that room. So, you know, I really like what they've done on the defensive line. And, and the guy that really, to me, was hitting the, uh, I guess, the, uh, the, the what, do you, what do you call the it? Sled. The sled. Okay, that sled. 
lucky foe too. I mean, you see those calves, and it's really, Craig, about explosion. You don't want to stand up when you're exploding to an offense line. You want to have low gravity and use your 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 lower torso. In this case, you know your your thighs and, and, and for Lucky his calves, and you can actually explode off the ball and push that lineman back. So it's a great drill, and it's not like you just do it one time. You got to do it five different times, and you get back in line, do it again. Uh, but I just like the way Brinson Buckner coaches these guys, and and they're very coachable. And and the fact that you know they're all pulling for the with the same rope. Uh, I really think the D-line, I don't know if it would be a pleasant surprise because that's where it starts. You know, I think we look at the linebackers, how's that going to shake out? I think we know the starters, the secondary. You know, look at the corner spot we'll talk about. So I just like that that first layer where that's all. it's all going to start there, and it's a point of attack of being physical, and I think that's the Cardinals wanted to do going into the season. And knock on wood, everyone stays healthy. J.J. Watt, Jordan Phillips, because that defensive line really lost a step or two, maybe even a stride, when Phillips went down and was really never able to really get back on his feet. Even Peters. And then, uh, you know, you look at the mix in there with the veterans and then the young core. If you get Richard Lawrence, if you get Lecky Fotu, Zach Allen to take that next step, and then you've got Phillips and you've got Watt to kind of guide them and show them how to be successful on Sundays. It's about putting in the work, though, before you get to Sundays. We've heard players talk a lot about that. It was, though, good to hear Coach Joseph mention that, you know, with with the uh, tip of the cap to our colleague on the Red Sea Report, Bertrand Berry, and I mentioned it earlier in the week, I pay attention to the line of scrimmage more now than I perhaps ever did. Everyone follows the ball, but what's the offensive line doing? What's the defensive line doing? Because if you're successful on either end, obviously the Cardinals on offense and the Cardinals on defense, more times than not, you're going to be successful on a given play on a given drive on a given game last year they just got hit with the injury bug you know Corey Peters was, was probably playing his best football I mean again he's never going to fill up the stat sheet but he was making tackle for loss and then Jordan Phillips was on the shelf and then you're relying on young guys and again give Zach Allen a lot of credit for playing 14 games I think it's night and day this year but again uh, your depth will get tested because you're going to rotate those guys I don't know J.J. Watt's going to play a thousand snaps like a year ago or close to 94 percent I mean, I, I think if, you, if you're Vance, you're looking at, I can't leave this guy on the sideline, especially in the fourth quarter. And I think he wants to play every snap, but sometimes you got to, you know, got to pull them back because you want to make sure they're fresh. But I, I think that they definitely upgraded. And I'm really looking forward to the development of both Leckie and Rashad Lawrence. And I'll throw a Xavier Williams in there, even though we haven't had a chance to watch him play, you know, down the down over the last couple of years. But there's a reason why they brought him in, whether he's a second or third. Uh, backup tackle there's depth there I would love to be a fly on the wall in those conversations whether it's between Brenson Buckner and J.J. Watt or Vance Joseph and J.J. Watt when they try to tell him look we need you healthy and as close to 100% as possible in December maybe you don't need to play all 75 snaps in September how about we dial you back a little bit maybe you get a rest every quarter or so and let's allow a Xavier Williams or a Lucky Fotu to get some snaps inside or as outside as a defensive end I, I, I know it's it's easy here to have that conversation in the offseason and maybe those conversations have already started it's much different though when the ball is kicked off and you're in the first quarter and you don't know when the game is going to turn one way or the other or what's going to be a bigger play in the first quarter, as I say, to the fourth quarter, and you want your best guys on the field. But if you're not an offensive lineman or a quarterback, you're going to be subbed in and out more times than not. Yet we didn't see a lot of that with J.J. Watt and the Houston Texans, and you want to protect these guys from themselves, yet it's hard when you have a player of that stature and that accomplishment to say, you know what? On this second down and 12, how about how about you stand next to me and, and just watch? I, I I don't know how that's going to go on game day, bottom line. Well, let's go back to uh, when the Cardinals uh, hired Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I'm sorry, that's the following year, and they drafted Kyler Murray. They played Detroit in week one. So you, now you're in overtime. And, you know, T-Sizzle, Terrell Suggs, he got off to a good start the, fr- the, the first month of the season. But he has, wasn't used to playing that many snaps. So they're in overtime. And he's winded. And Billy Davis has got to make a decision and let Vance know, okay, he's a Hall of Famer. I can't leave him on the sidelines. So he goes on the field, and obviously he wasn't the same player. 
But it's going to be hard to keep Watt on the sidelines. If this team gets a nice little lead or possibly if, if, if a team is in third and 12, which you don't want to take him off the field because of his pass rushing skills, but there's no way he can play 1,000 snaps. And he played close to 94, I think it was 94% last year. So, um, again, you want your best players on the field, especially uh, when the game's on the line. But I think they're going to have a good rotation. He's, he's obviously going to be the bell cow along with Jordan Phillips, and then they'll just rotate those other guys. Of course, the flip side of this conversation is you don't need to play a 1,000 snaps if you're forcing a lot of three and outs or short drives, and the defense is not on the field True. for 75, 80, 85-plus snaps a game like the Texans were a year ago. If you have a solid defense, then and if you're doing your job, then you're spending more time on the sideline because your offense is on the field. Great point, because usually every team gets 10 to 12 possessions in if you can limit that to five or six each possession, now they could go on a 10-play drive, but you can get two, three, and outs. But that's a good point. I mean, that's the that's the, the plan. Get off the field. You know, Get your offense on the field and keep their offense on the sideline. So I'm sure that's the plan going in. Uh, you know, one thing that Vance talked about, again, is, is points allowed. You know, they, they want to be stingy in the red zone. You know, force teams to kick field goals versus getting touchdowns, eliminate the big plays, force more turnovers, and that will make this defense a lot better overall, you know, when it comes to rankings, but you're going to see the production on the field. Yeah, Coach Joseph bringing up better tackling and, quote, make more plays on the ball, end quote, when he talked about going into year three, same coaching staff and a same defensive scheme. You should be a lot better in year three than you were a year ago or even two years ago. And that is something that I think everyone is excited about because if you maintain that continuity, then all of a sudden you should see better production on Sundays. Now, speaking of some of the drills, we were, we had the opportunity to be out there and, and you know, there's a certain portion where we can uh, record and, and send it out to the fans, you know, to see what we see. And Vance was running this drill, and I got to say that you know I think we see saw this drill in training camp last year because there was no OTA, so we didn't see it obviously. Um, but he gets every single defensive player, and they all do the same drill. And I, and I tweeted it out, and he runs the drill. You you got to talk about the tempo and the energy and how many reps these guys are getting. Where you know normally, yeah, you know, when you get to sometimes a, a, a mini camp. You know, the starters get the majority of the reps. The backup quarterback may get three reps. The third string may get two reps. They're all getting reps, and, it, and it's drills before actually, you know, when they, they break off into teams, 11-on-11 11 11 or 7-on-7. Seven seven. So I, I just like the energy, and I like the fact that Vance was running the drill, and every single player has got to – whether you're a cornerback, safety, linebacker, meaning you got to run to a certain spot – Get down and then get back up and follow pursuit to the ball. Not just the the the, the, the I guess the skinny guys. All, every position has to do it. And to me, it's contagious because you see every drill, they're trying to get better at the next drill. And I think the coaches like the fact that, hey, we're only out here for a limited number of minutes for three days during the course of June, and if you give us our your full attention and compete with energy, then we can get off the field a lot sooner than perhaps maybe if we've got to repeat something and you're just loafing and just going through the motions out there. They had the entire team. Um, they, did, they did ball security. They usually you would see skilled position players, you know, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs against DBs, safeties, and linebackers trying to knock the ball out. They, did the, they had four different lines for that. And basically, they'll they'll have a guy carrying the ball, and then you got to try to punch it out because once again, they're emphasizing more turnovers this year. Twenty one last year, what eleven picks? Correct. And then ten fumble recovers. They want more. So again, these are drills that they weren't able to do last year. But it's not just one group; it's the entire group. Hold on to the football, protect the ball, ball security, punch it out. And so these are things that they didn't get a chance last year. But I, I can, in in, and I'll say this just. You know, two days of observation. Cliff Kingsbury's been spending a lot of time with the defense. Um, and usually it's, you know, he's over there with Kyler. Now Cam Turner got a promotion. Obviously, he's the quarterback's coach. We know that they got a good staff over there in Coogler and Steve Hyden and James Saxon. Um, you throw in uh, Sean Jefferson. But I noticed in Kingsbury, maybe the first couple years, you know, obviously he had to be with Kyler. But now he's, he's more of a head coach just walking around, observing, you know, kind of looking at different drills. Um uh, uh, Craig, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it today. Okay. You can you can you can chew on this for 
until you're ready to make an answer. Or I reserve the right to change my mind. Okay. Change my response. Just just on paper, do you think this Cardinals defense could be better than their offense? Wow. Again, I, you don't have to answer. Yeah, I know. As we sit here in the middle of June, I think I like – just ba- – okay – Based off the progression in from year one to two to three under Vance Joseph, the defense has come further along and has been more consistent than the offense has. Now, to the offense's uh, maybe detriments, there's been a lot of shuffling. They haven't had the wide receiver core that they wanted. There you go. That's the word to use. Yet, I think if everything – again, we're, we're, one, it's health – and if everyone stays healthy, which we know they're not, but if you have some capable backups and that offense can run three, four wide receivers out on a consistent basis and not have a significant drop-off to where Kingsbury's got to change and maybe we do see some more running, whether that's between the tackles or with Chase Edmonds, I do think they want to spread the ball out. Yet, to your point, as far as what's Ahead, I would say right now the defense is ahead of the offense, and that's just based off the consistency that we saw and the improvement. And then you add a J.J. Watt, and you add the veterans that they have, a Malcolm Butler. I would anticipate a much improved defense over a year ago, but in order to be successful week in and week out, this offense needs to be 10 times better than it was last season. And that's saying a lot because they've added, you know, a couple new starters on defense. You look at, you know, Malcolm Butler, you look at JJ Watt. Um, I'm sorry, I'm probably missing a couple guys, but, you know, you've added some starters uh, that weren't here last year where the offense is pretty much the same unless you look at the backup running back, uh, look at the number three receiver, maybe the new right guard. But defensively, they've added some new faces, whether it's, matter of fact, the first overall pick in the draft, they've added some corners, uh, Denard and, and, and Malcolm Butler. They've added some safety. So it's interesting that they could be ahead. And, and that was the issue going into the season last year. You just didn't know because, as we knew, uh, without any you know physical contact, now you're allowed to hit in camp, but without any preseason games, tackling was poor around the league, including the Arizona Cardinals. You brought up first-round draft pick Zayvon Collins, and we've got some news on him, Berg Gang, as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Collins is under contract, a four-year deal with a team option for a fifth. Rondell Moore is under contract. He signed earlier. He also getting a four-year contract. So the entire Cardinals 2021 draft class, all seven players have signed, and here we are in June. And this is kind of what has become expected over the last several seasons, though. You and I, MJ, we're old enough to remember when draft picks were not under contract and the Cardinals would drive up to Flagstaff without a player or two. Typically, most likely, it's always always a first-round draft pick. And then it was, all right, well, when are they going to show up? And it becomes one day, two days, three days, four days, maybe even a week. That's no longer the case. Everything is slotted, so these guys are under contract. It's something that weighs on players' minds. I don't think anymore it does, but it's just something they don't have to worry about. Contract's done. Now you just focus on football. Cam Newton was the first quarterback uh, when it came to the slotted system. The last uh, bonus baby was uh, Sam Bradford. He got $50 million guaranteed. But everything slotted, obviously, the salary cap uh, you know, usually goes up. And this year is kind of more flat than they, they anticipated uh, based on uh, COVID last year. But, yeah, I mean, it's slotted. And usually when the rookies get into town, you know, and the rookies I anticipate are still going to be here for maybe a couple more weeks. At least they they can keep them over. You want to get that stuff done, but it's just it's just a matter of time. And you know, I, I, I never thought anybody's going to hold out, but you're right. I mean, it, over the years, you know, you usually you think the last day, and then you drive up, and the first round picks there, and of course the media wants to know who's not here versus who's here, and and then you get to three or day, four day, and you're like, okay, is there is there uh, you know standstill when it comes to negotiations? One's upset. There's not certain language in there. Uh, we're not going to come till week one, and it just got out of hand. And and unfortunately, you know, the, you got the agents got to do what's best for the player as he's negotiating the contract in the future. But a lot of times, teams, you know, say, you know, let's see if you can hit some of these incentives. But there's always offset language, and it used to cause there's just a lot of friction. And you know, you, the last thing you want to do, you spend so much time investing in a player and drafting him, and then you want to, you, you don't want to be upset because he's not there. 
I mean, that's you get off to a wrong start. So I, I like the league. Everything's slotted, and there's no reason. I guess if you're a quarterback and you're a first-round guy and maybe you're the fourth quarterback, maybe you feel like you should get more than a position player in front of you. But that's why it's slotted. So I I, I figured once um, – you know, minicamp wrapped up or when the rookies wrapped up, everything would be done. It wouldn't be an issue going into training camp. So, so glad that those days are gone as far as waiting to hear and then trying to follow what was going on from the team side, the player side, and that's just all That's all done. Don't have to worry about it anymore. But, uh, again, congratulations to the entire 2021 Cardinals draft class. Collins telling azcardinals.com, quote, it's special, you know it's coming, but until it's here, you don't know how you're going to feel. It's still a big milestone, end quote. The 16th overall pick signing a four-year contract with a team option for a fifth. Vance Joseph, very complimentary of the first-round draft pick. We've heard now from Drew Grigson, Bill Davis and now Vance Joseph about Collins because, as we've talked about, there is a huge spotlight on him, not just because he's a first-round draft pick, but he is the Mike linebacker. He is the quarterback of that defense, and it's a player that has zero experience in the National Football League. Yet here you are giving him the keys of the defense that has a lot of veteran talents, a J.J. Watt, a Chandler Jones, Buda Baker, Malcolm Butler, and you're tasked with getting these players the play call and then putting them in the correct spot for that particular play. And according to Coach Joseph Collins, is ready for it. He is doing everything in his power to make sure he is ready for that week one contest at Tennessee. But there are going to be mistakes made. And I think we have to be clear about that, Berging, and expect it. It is not going to be perfect. And that goes for any rookie at any position. Heck, if you had a veteran at inside linebacker or at all 11 positions, mistakes are going to be made. One, don't make the same mistake twice. Two, learn from that mistake and use it as a learning tool to get better. And I think that was the point Coach Joseph was making when he brought up Vance, or when he brought up, excuse me, Zayvon Collins on how he is handling being that face or that voice of the defense. And he also admitted when he makes a mistake, he takes responsibility. And that's going to go along with the veterans because, again, um, you know, he's been here a little while now. He said he studies the playbook even when he's away from the facility, which is good because you're going to be the captain of the defense. So it's good if when he makes a mistake or maybe he doesn't see something, he corrects it and he tells, you know, tells his pl- the other players, hey, that's on me. So that will go a long way when it comes to taking accountability and responsibility. And the one concern that I had had when we were talking about putting a rookie in this position as far as trying to be that leader, if you will, when you have no resume. Are guys going to pay attention to you as this young kid as opposed to a Jordan Hicks who has skin in the game, if you will? And according to Coach Joseph, trust is earned, yet at the same time, the players will follow Zayvon Collins. They will understand what he is asking of them, and they'll have no trouble buying into what Collins is saying because Vance Joseph has made it very clear. This is Zayvon Collins' job this season. Make the calls, play fast, play well. Don't try to be a vocal leader. That will come. But be that secondary voice as far as the coach on the field. Take the information that I give you from the sideline, relay it to your teammates, and then go out and do what you're supposed to do. That is his job this season. He also mentioned, quote, there's going to be some bad downs, which we refer to yet. There's going to be plays that uh, they make others can't. So Collins and Simmons, is their job is to simplify things. Mentioned he had similar young players, which we didn't know, and that was Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman, and we know how they turned out with the 49ers. And that was something I had to go back and look at because it was only for a season. I believe it was 2010, and Joseph was the DB's coach at the time, but he does have some experience when you have two young physical, talented inside linebackers that can really carry a defense, and we've seen that throughout the league. Last year, Tampa Bay, we know what the Seahawks have done when you've got those two inside linebackers, and the plan for the Cardinals, hopefully for the next 10, 15 years, is with Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons being those two guys in the middle of the defense, kind of controlling everything else. I thought B-Train brought up another good one, that was Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis. I mean, Luke Keekley, we know every time they played the Cardinals, he knew the play as before, you know, before they snapped the ball. And then you mentioned last year in Tampa, uh, Levante David and um, 
Devin White, I mean, he, these guys, I mean, they, they were able to get to the quarterback. They were able to stop the run. Of course, it's always good when you guys got like Sue and JPP up front uh, making plays. But, yeah, that's the trend right now. you got to get two studs in the middle that can go from sideline to sideline. They can cover. They can line up in the slot. Uh, you know, as Bowman and, and, and uh, Willis got a little bit older, you know, maybe they relied more on a, like a hybrid, you know, safety coming and playing the box. But it was interesting because every time Vance says something, you're like, oh, there's a connection there. I had no idea that he was there on that staff when those guys were young when it came to Patrick Willis and Novaro Bowman. Uh, quick aside, another connection with Coach Joseph, and he was asked about week one against the Titans and Julio Jones. Well, he brings up unprompted Ryan Tannehill and spending a season with Tannehill in <laughs> Miami, and all of a sudden everything is like, literally, it's like Kevin Bacon and seven degrees yeah. of separation. Vance Joseph, you start with him, and you literally could get to every team, uh, every player in the NFL in the matter of maybe three or four moves and then all of a sudden it just it, like literally the National Football League revolves around Vance Joseph that's what we're learning here on Cardinals cover and two. he said when he was in Miami and he was a rookie he said you could see the upside now obviously change of scenery a uh, much different team uh, he's got weapons um, you know if you want to look at his numbers and we'll get a chance to do that before the game uh, coming up in September over the last 24 25 games his numbers are very similar to Patrick Mahomes as far as Touchdowns, a win-loss record. Touchdowns, Touch- win-loss, completion percentage. Um, he's he's fit well with Arthur Smith. Now, Dow Loggins is going to be the coordinator. He's got previous experience. they got a really good physical line. So, uh, Ryan Tannehill, um, there's a reason why that, that team made a run last year, and unfortunately they came up short. Coach Joseph, when he first found out about Julio Jones, now a Tennessee Titan, quote, my first reaction was, wow, we got a challenge. And then he explained that he texted the entire coaching staff, said, hey, get ready. And I do think this is going to be a motivation for the entire offseason. We've talked about it on previous shows. One, it was on the road at a playoff opponent. Two, it's Derrick Henry, the best running back in the league. And now three, it's Julio Jones, one of the best wide receivers in the game. That certainly has the attention of the entire defense. Craig, so VJ said as soon as the trade went down, he texted all his coaches. Yes. When the trade down went down, did I text you? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I think everyone had the same thought. What and did I say? Th- this game got more interesting and in- Listen, this is the NFL. There's no, in, you know, any given Sunday, yes, but this is going to set the tone. Then you come back and play the Vikings at home, another tough defense. So I'm really looking forward to it. But I, you could just see when you add a guy like that, it really, um, from an outside standpoint, you know what it means when the Cardinals brought in J.J. Watt. What did it do in the community, in the locker room? When they made the trade for DeAndre Hopkins, you just get this energy and juice, and you feel like, you know what, we're ready to compete right now. By the way, Bird Gang, if you want to be at State Farm Stadium for that home opener week two against the Minnesota Vikings, single game tickets are on sale now. azcardinals.com slash game ticks. azcardinals.com slash game T-I-X. As the Cardinals will welcome in Patrick Peterson, Dalvin Cook, and everyone with the Minnesota Vikings week two at State Farm Stadium. As we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's bring it back around to the defense and those two players in the middle, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. Had a chance earlier to hear from Simmons as he goes into year two. First time we've really had a chance to hear from him since the season ended and talking about his first year. One, it was interesting to hear him say how appreciative he was of having an offseason after not having one and how further along he thinks this rookie class, specifically Zayvon Collins, is going to be having an offseason. And then admitting that, yes, year one was a struggle for him. Not going to make any excuses. In fact, He's using it as motivation and learning from mistakes that he made in year one to make sure it doesn't happen in year two. But the fact that you've got these two six foot four players as inside linebackers, according to Simmons, he believes he and Collins can quote be like the sky's the limit for those two players. And it's something that I know the coaching staff believes the sky can be the limit. And it's they certainly have the talent. Now it's do they have the mental makeup? to be successful as far as learning a playbook and getting that playbook translated from the classroom out onto the field, depending on what the offense is doing. 
after the Cardinals drafted uh, Isaiah Simmons, we got a chance to see him, but we really didn't have any like uh, you know uh, in-person interviews with him. Obviously, that was the case for everything. So we didn't hear a lot from him, and then we got a chance to hear him in training camp, you know, a couple times being the first round pick. But I can tell you this: just from a year ago at this time, uh, he is much more mature. Um, he he knows how good he can be. He asked, you know, what where's the areas for improvement? Quote: I just want to become a technician. Unquote. I mean, that's didn't he doesn't talk about goals; it's about winning. And you know, obviously last year. It was difficult for him, but he learned a lot. And he, he said, I'm not making any excuses. And uh, I think, you know, I, I've said this in the entire offseason. Give him an entire offseason. Give him a couple preseason games, and he will have a huge jump from the first year to the second year, now playing next to Collins. Uh, I like where he's at. I like what he's saying. Uh, he took responsibility. He knows it's not going to come easy, but he puts the work in, and he goes home and watches film. And that's encouraging because he said he didn't know how much to do, but he knows now that he's got to watch film because if you watch a lot of film, then it comes natural to what you're watching on Sundays. And I do think the struggles are going to continue, but they'll be fewer, and maybe they won't be as magnified. Maybe there are small mistakes that we don't look or we don't see, and maybe it doesn't become a costly one like week one at San Francisco was a year ago because that touchdown certainly was glaring, and I think it carried with Simmons for several weeks until maybe that game at State Farm Stadium Sunday night against the Seahawks, and we made that interception, and all of a sudden the light bulb went on for him. But I do like what he has to say. We are going to see him at different positions out of that inside linebacker spot. As we heard from Coach Davis on a recent edition of the Big Red Rage, that's home base for Isaiah Simmons, inside linebacker next to Zavin. But from that spot, he can be in different locations, near the line of scrimmage, in the slot, covering a receiver or a tight end or a running back that comes across the middle, or maybe even drop back and play some safety. We saw a lot of that last season. You can do a lot of different things with Isaiah Simmons. It's just a matter of how comfortable is he at doing those different things. And according to him, he is much more comfortable, much more confident in what is being asked of him. Yeah, I asked him that question. He said it made very uh, large strides He's, he's uh, with his comfortability and confidence in the division. He also said he's made a point to learn other players' positions, which will thinks it allow him to play faster. He's not making the calls. That's Zayvon Collins. But he wants to learn other positions so he can play faster. Again, when you're comfortable and confident and you can play free, you're going to get to the ball a lot quicker. It all sounds good right now here in the offseason. As we discussed a year ago at this time, what was our big phrase? On paper. Everything looks good on paper. Everyone has a plan until something happens. That Mike Tyson quote, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. What do you do when you get punched in the mouth? And I think, for lack of a better term or comparison, Isaiah Simmons got punched in the mouth last week. One, And I don't know how... I don't think he got up off the canvas until maybe week 8, week 9, and week 10. And I think he was humbled a little bit because he was very successful at Clemson. You're a first-round pick. Everything comes easy to you at the college level because talent wins out. Well, that was another thing he pointed out. Everyone is talented at this level. It's the mental makeup. It's your mental, it's your it's the knowledge you have that separates the good players from the great players. How do you take that next step? Well, it's knowing as you pointed out, it's not only not only knowing my job, but everyone else's job and then on the other side when you're looking at that offense knowing what they want to do and how you can stop them. I could tell you this though, I feel more comfortable when I talk about these guys than I did a year ago because I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I see Rondell Moore. I could see the upside. I look at Marco Wilson. I could see the upside. You and I are standing there today. I'm like, look at that guy's size. You know, you look at Tay Gowan's size. You know, you look at some other positions. At least, and again, until they put the pads on, that's where guys will separate themselves. But according to CBA rules, you can't do that now. We know that's going to be a limited in training camp. Obviously, put the pads on for preseason games. But you know, you see the film, you hear about the scouting reports, you see the interviews. At least this year, we're going to see the players, and you could see it. You know, some guys obviously have a long ways to go, but you, again, I'm not a scout. I just watch it and you know, I try to gather as much information and make an, an educated opinion on things. But me seeing this stuff, like 
I could see the upside in, in at least four of the five draft picks. You know, obviously I haven't watched uh, Michael Menat very much or on the other side of the field, but I could see the upside where last year I had no idea going into the season. All you were left with was what was on a piece of paper or you went on Hulu or, or, or Google or whatever and you tried to call up a video clip of these players. You're right. You, you need to be able to see them, and it's, it's limited. I understand that, but it is certainly something that we weren't unable to have last season, and you go, kind of go in with a blank Blanks, Canvas. Yeah, you, you you have no idea until you see it. And for Isaiah Simmons and a lot of those rookies, not just with the Cardinals, but across the league, it, it was really difficult. Well, to me, it's the eye, eye test. And you, we, we watched J.J. Watt, and you're like, wow. I mean, this guy's everywhere. I mean, he's passionate. He runs every drill for the defensive line. Uh, you stand next to him, and we're like, okay. We didn't get a chance to see that last year. Now, when the season started, we're out there for 20 minutes, but they're game planning. Some guys are rehabbing. Uh, it's here. I, I could see the guys they drafted. I could see the guys they signed. And, and, and you look at that defensive line room, wow, they're huge. And that's going to go a long way when it comes to stopping the run and putting pressure on the quarterback. Again, get him off his spot. One other notes on Isaiah Simmons, the number changed to number nine. And give it up to our executive producer, yes. Jim Omohundro, for asking <laughs> about why the single digit or asked kind of laid him into, does he expect to be a little bit faster now that he's in a single digits? And he acknowledged and he kind of a little smirk, a little smile that uh, maybe he would be a little bit faster now just wearing number nine. But no real reason for number nine. I think at the end of the day, if you really kind of asked him straight up, like I think he wanted to wear a single digit, like that's my goal. I want now tell me what numbers are available. Well, obviously, number one is Kyler Murray. Number two, well, Chase Edmonds, he's got seniority. Uh, and then you keep going up. Buda Baker's wearing three. Sorry, seniority. Number four, well, that's Andy Lee. Sorry, seniority. And you keep going. And then Prater, Bra- <laughs> Byron Murphy, James Conner. Hall of Famer, Larry Wilson. So really, the only single digit was left was number nine. And as he mentioned, a, 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 he brought up number 11, which he wore at Say Clemson. What? But at, I think that was more just a matter of, <laughs> uh, of conversation because number 11 will never be worn again by anyone but Larry Fitzgerald. And no, we don't know what's up with Fitz outside of the fact that he's certainly enjoying this Phoenix Suns playoff run. Outside of that, he is not here at minicamp. You know where Fitz was yesterday? <laughs> at a board meeting. <laughs> for the many countless companies and Dick's charities sporting that goods. For? He All was right. at a board meeting. He, uh, I texted him over the weekend. He goes, you know the schedule yet? I said, I don't know the NBA schedule. I guess I can find <laughs> out. But, you know, usually they release it. He goes, tell me they're playing Monday and Wednesday. I got a board meeting on Tuesday. <laughs> Uh, we yes. love you, Fitzy. To be Larry Fitzgerald. If only we could all be Larry Fitzgerald for just, just one day, MJ. Just to be Fitz for one day. Oh. <laughs> Bird Gang, reminder that you can catch all of Cardinals Flight Plan episodes on the Cardinals official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Cardinals. So far, two episodes in the books, Power Surge and most recently First Class, which dealt with the entire 2021 draft leading into the draft and then post-draft with Rookie Minicamp. But it is great to chronicle the entire offseason, and you can do that with the Emmy Award-winning series Cardinals Flight Plan. Just go to youtube.com slash Cardinals, hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss a single episode of Cardinals Flight Plan. We continue here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Also discussed with Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, and it's a question that you brought up. You wanted to ask or you wanted to know about the depth at cornerback, guys that were returning, but more so the guys that they had added. Malcolm Butler, Darquez Denard, the draft picks, Marco Wilson, Tay Gowan. And without bringing up Byron Murphy, at least by you, it was Vance Joseph who wanted to start with Byron Murphy because in the words of coach Joseph Murphy can be a special player for us end quote of course he is the most veteran of that group within this defense with apologies to Robert Alford who hasn't played the past two seasons but it was I I I certainly I I, I threw Alford's name in there you did and I wanted to get into him as well but I, I I did notice and it was subtle but you list all these names, and Coach Joseph immediately goes to Byron Murphy, who, at least on the depth chart, 
you would think would be the third corner because he plays the slot, but he does have the ability to go both outside or inside. But it all begins with Byron Murphy in that cornerback's room, according to Coach Joseph. Well, I heard after the season he was their best corner. And, uh, you know, he obviously struggled his first year. You know, he's just throwing the mix, didn't have a lot of help around him. But he, he's physical, and I, you can see he's – you know, when it comes to physicality, he's coming into his body. When it comes more strength and power, um, you know, uh, he works out a ton. He's athletic. He's physical. Um, you know, he wants to be great. I think he learned a lot from Patrick Peterson. When you get to the line, make sure you look at their knees. Otherwise, they can't go a different direction. So he's been able to pick on certain things. But the fact that he named him number one tells me how, how much they value him. And you know, we'll get into the nerd here in a moment, but I, the fact that he's going to play in the slot and uh, we know that these slot receivers are just as good as the second and third wide receivers, and now in this day and age, your second and third corner have to be as good as your slot corner. That's the business. Well, they're starting. Yeah. I, I mean, if you look at the percentages, and I don't have it in front of me, I haven't done a deep dive. Maybe we can get Kyle Odegaard to do that for us, but the number of teams that not just starts – three corners because when you say you're starting that's just one snap I mean that's misleading look at the total number of snaps someone plays to figure out how much of a role they have on that offense or that defense but the percentage of teams that play three corners for what maybe 75 80 percent of the snaps as opposed to once upon a time two corners because you had two wide receivers and it was that base defense, 3-4-4-3. Three, four, four, two three. running backs, a fullback, yeah, tight end. To where you didn't need to bring in that nickel corner or dime package because you just had two wide receivers. Well, now you're seeing three corners, I would say, the majority of the That's almost the, the base defense now. True. I mean, you want to go nickel, you bring in four. Then you can bring in an extra safety if you want to go dime. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a scenario where – you have to have guys that can cover. And, and, and based on you know my question of Vance about the secondary, he feels comfortable going into the season. I mean, you're always looking to get better, but I think he feels like if – and he also mentioned, we'll mention Denard. He said Denard can play inside and outside. So Murphy can play inside and outside. Marco Wilson can play inside and outside. Um, Chase Whitaker, who's kind of a little buried in the depth chart, he's an inside guy. So that's almost three to four guys that you have at slot corner if something happens on the outside. I'm much more comfortable with the depth at cornerback post-Darquez Denard. Pre-Darquez Denard, we discussed it. This team needed something. They need experience in that cornerback's room, and they got it with Denard. Now, I know you're pretty much, I wouldn't say adamant, but you think that there might be another guy or two, and I think that just depends on how, one, minicamp goes, how the start of training camp goes. Is Marco Wilson, Tay Gowan, are they capable of showing this team, one, they can make the roster, not just on special teams, but in a pinch, or if needed, they can play corner as well, whether that's inside or outside. Six cornerbacks on a 53-man roster sounds like a lot, but if those fifth and sixth corners are cornerbacks in name only because their main role is on special teams, then maybe you do see six cornerbacks on the roster to where you've got your four veterans plus two draft picks. We uh, we watched both uh, Tay Gowan and Marco Wilson uh, line up in certain drills, and the first thing I told you, look at that size. Look at those legs. And he mentioned them. So they're going to be in the mix. Now, again, you know, the first couple of weeks you want to make sure, you know, you have some veteran uh, uh, presence out there. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see who that fourth, fifth, and sixth corner is now. We think they're going to keep four or five. I think if one of those rookies emerges, what does that mean for um, Denard? I mean, again, he's a veteran guy, and if he's on the roster in week one, then, it, you know, he's pretty much guaranteed for these seasons. So a, a lot of it's a fluid situation, but I do like the fact that they got some young guys in the mix. It's, it's a good mixture of veterans and ex, uh, experienced guys um, from Malcolm Butler, Byron Murphy, of course, when Alford was in Atlanta, and then he throw in some youth. 
I think they, they've set themselves up. Now it's a matter of how much pressure can they get up front from their front seven. All right, let's focus in on one of those veterans, and it's Robert Alford. He has certainly been the talk this week as far as the first two days of minicamp. One, it's because, well, we haven't seen him on a football field in over a year. But I'll say this, watching him out there on the field, they're not running full speed, but I see no effects from the broken leg a couple of years ago or the torn pec last season. He is playing like he played last season before the injury, like the previous season before the injury. Those two training camps in 2019 and 2020, without question, Robert Alford was the best cornerback on the Arizona Cardinals. Then he got hurt. And then we kind of lost track and out of sight, out of mind. If Robert Alford can be Robert Alford in 2021, then yes, Vance Joseph and everyone else should feel very good about the depth at cornerback. Cliff mentioned that, you know, obviously they, they gave him a nice, uh, you know, contract uh, when he arrived here, hoping he would play. And he said, listen, I want to come back. I owe it to you. Not a lot of players would say that. I mean, injuries are part of the game. Yes, it didn't happen during the game. It happened. And I told you last offseason, I mean, he was chiseled. He was working out with Pat P, and I could just see both of them were motivated. And, you know, Patrick thought he had a chip on his shoulder. That, that didn't pan out. But, you know, Alford's going to be a, kind of a sleeper here because I think people are just waiting to see what happens. When, when's the shoe going to drop? And he may draw that assignment in week one on A.J. Brown or even Julio Jones, depending on what kind of defense the Cardinals. So he's going to get thrown in the mix right, right from the get-go. But, I, you know, you hate to say – you know, he's got to get through the training camp and preseason and all that, which is true. But if he can just get to the season, I look forward to seeing what he can do on the field. I made a joke standing with Kyle during the open portion of practice that at this point, just put Alford in bubble wrap and say, we'll see you week one at Tennessee just to make sure he gets to the regular season. Because to your point, we just haven't seen him get there. And I do want to bring up what Kingsbury had to say earlier this week because it was an interesting conversation that he allowed us to be a part of as far as Robert Alford, we know, signed. And then he got released, officially got released, signed the day or the next day after that. And it was, a, I think, a candid conversation between Alford and the organization this offseason to which Kingsbury said, quote, as far as what Alford told the team, quote, I want to come back. I owe you guys, so I'll come back for whatever deal because I owe the organization, I owe the Cardinals, and I want to prove it that you were all right about me, end quote. That's from head coach Cliff Kingsbury, the conversations that the team had with Alford this offseason. So that's someone that understands that a chance was taken with me when – the Cardinals signed him a couple of years ago. Remember, that was that was a signing in January, I believe. He got released by the Atlanta Falcons, and with his, within a matter of days, he was an Arizona Cardinal to team with Patrick Peterson. We just haven't seen it materialize on the field. Now the hope is, knock on wood, he stays healthy. Maybe you're right, MJ. We're talking about Malcolm Butler and Dark West Denard and Byron Murphy. Maybe Alford is that number one corner, and it's him going up against Julio Jones. Yeah, and just going back to what we what we witnessed in training camp the last couple of years, I mean, the first year here, I was impressed how physical he was. He, he likes to talk trash. You heard Booty talking about that yesterday. He's... Nothing, no disrespect. He's not trying to show anybody up, but it brings competition out in players. He was physical. I mean, he he was going toe to toe with Larry, and you know, last year, you know, early on with Hopkins. Um, I just remember just saying, "Wow, if this guy can stay healthy, he's got the body, and he's he's in great shape, and he's got he's got to be motivated to know, you know." Time is running out here, my chances, and so as long as he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a big part of what they want to do in that secondary. Here's what Buda Baker had to say about day one of minicamp about Robert Alford. Quote, he still looks like the great Robert Alford, fresh Robert Alford. He was locking some stuff up today, and it was great to see. End quotes. There were a number of people talking about what Alford did on day one and continues to do into day two. Now, Again, I'll say it, it's early, it's June, it means nothing until you get to September, but it's better to hear this, MJ, than the alternative that, you know, we haven't seen Alford for a couple of seasons on the field, it looks like he's lost a step or two, he just he just doesn't have it, he's not the player we signed. 
Couldn't be further from the truth. It sounds like Robert Alford here in June of 2021 is the same player that this team signed back in 2019. And, you know, besides the injuries, and, and obviously that's the reason why he couldn't play, I mean, he doesn't he, he, he doesn't have the wear and tear on the entire body. Now, he had to recover from injuries. That didn't help him getting back on the field sooner. But, you know, when you miss a couple seasons, the wear and tear, but I'm sure he would have traded all that in to play 32 games in the last two years. And you know how many times we got asked about all for the past two seasons. People wanted to know about his status and is there a chance he could come back, and it just was not going to happen. But I think there are a lot of fans out there that are anxious and hopeful that number 23 is on the field this season. We see a lot of guys go on IR, and sometimes it's a surgery where they really can't walk or they got to walk in boot. Um, Cliff mentioned it, uh, I think, late last year, and then Buddha mentioned it again. Here's a guy that was on the practice field, watching practice, in the meetings. He didn't have to be here. I mean, sometimes rehab, you come in here in the morning, and you know by 10 o'clock you can go home. He was here with the players. And so, again, that speaks volumes of, yeah, he was disappointed he wasn't playing, but he, if he can help somebody else out, and I think that speaks volumes of the professional he is. Big, big Robert Alford fans here on this show. I think I can speak for you, MJ, on that. We wish him nothing but the best. And uh, I was joking, and I'm kind of half serious. At this point, you just tap Alford on the shoulder and say, you know what, you've done enough. We'll see you in training camp and come training camp. Maybe maybe you don't practice every single day. I'm being facetious here, but I'm just anxious to see him in game action, not preseason, game action, regular season action week one against Tennessee to the point where or, you know, it wouldn't bother me at this point if the team just said, you know what, we're going to take a chance and pull you out of everything and just say, all right, be ready September 12th. Yeah, I, I mean, I would be cautious with them not to where I'm worried, but I also want to see Marco Wilson and uh, Tay Gowan and some of these other corners get reps because if we have some injuries, the team has injuries, all of a sudden they're going to be there. So I think we know who the starters are. Yes, you knock some of the rust off, go against some of the number one offenses that are – you know, number one, two, three wide receivers, but you got to get those rookies in there, our second year players, because at some point we know they're going to get a chance to play. I think they know who their starters are. Matter of fact, I know across the board they can probably look at their top three or four right now. Yeah, everything looking very, very good. Again, on paper, although this year now on the field, at least for a limited yes. amount of time and a limited number of days. I for, test. Exactly. And according to Vance Joseph, the third year defensive coordinator, Cardinals defense so far has passed that eye test. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.